welcome to Explore Being Outdoors with Claire Bright. Today I am joined by Anna Humphreys, the Bear Grylls Survival Academy Kids Project Manager. She is a qualified mountain leader and lead survival instructor. She's a passionate scout leader and she works with schools, youth groups and cadets. She can run, navigate, travel and mountaineer as well as extensive hiking, including completing the National Three Peak Challenge, and her best time is 19 hours and 17 minutes. Um, she's climbed Everest Base Camp and was part of the first female team to stand up paddleboard the English Channel. Some amazing achievements, and I'm going to put the details of her website at the bottom of this podcast. I am thrilled to welcome Anna today to talk about her incredible and numerous skill set. Thank you, Anna, for joining us. So good morning, Anna. Welcome to my podcast. It's really nice to meet you. How morning, are you thanks today? Thanks for having me back. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I've been really impressed by your website. It's amazing. Um, I'm going to put the link in at the bottom of the podcast so everyone can see. Um, so on your website, you describe yourself as the mountain girl. Um, and on there, you describe kind of the challenges you, you had when you were kind of growing up and that you found yourself kind of being described as a tomboy and you wanted to have your hair short. And do you think identity really is a challenge in the outdoor space? Does it really matter? Or do you find the, the outdoors is for everyone and accessible to everybody? Yes, it is a cool question, Claire. So I had a good thought about this sort of question as well. So generally, my opinion has stayed the same. um, But what's been awesome is that everyone else around the world, I think, have changed the way that they think. So when I was young, for example, um, I had all these issues when I was a child in school and stuff. Yeah, I wanted this, like, you know, I wanted my hair short, not because I wanted to be this, you know, what I see like a derogatory term of tomboy, but because it was practical. Yes. Because it was out of the way, because when I was doing fun, exciting adventures with my twin sister, I just didn't need to worry about what my hair was doing, because that was like the last of my worries. I didn't want to have to think, I've got to get up, I've got to clean up, I've got to dry up, I've got to tie it up, whatever. That just I could have shaved it off. That's kind of where I was at. Um, but I didn't, because people would say, you know, that's what boys do, or, yeah. that, you know, they don't look like a girl, or whatever else. And it made me feel I couldn't be just that person that wanted to just have short hair because it was practical in my mind because um, it was seen to be somebody that I wasn't. So I felt like it would be the wrong thing to do. Um, But then, you know, look at today, fast forward the clock. And what I love about now is that anyone can be anything and however they want to look seems to be accepted, which is incredible. So, and we didn't judge. Like back then it was massively judged. You know, you're either a boy or a girl. And if you neither nor that fit, that sort of puzzle piece that slotted into the piece and perfectly you are just odd you know you're completely wrong now it's like they got rid of the puzzles they got rid of the pieces we are just who we are yeah we're humans we're humans I think that's the thing as well it's like being practical you know do you need to have your hair flapping around your face when you're up a mountain no not really you know and and I love the fact that you've kind of come to terms with who you want to be in your own identity and do you feel a lot more comfortable in your own skin now? Yeah, and I think the confidence came when I realised what I needed to do with my life. So where my passion was always is the outdoors. But when I was a young kid, and the stories on my website were, were you know, I found the love for mountaineering from actually the hills, that local to me, the Morgan Hills. 
my grandparents and my parents, my sisters, we used to go up there for picnics. Um, and my granddad would lay little sticks and stones and trails that would follow mm. and it would be like this incredible adventure day. And and I knew then that I wanted to just play this forever if I could. If I could get paid because I needed the money to, to yeah. live, mm-hmm. then I'd do this. But reality was I didn't really care about being paid for it because I loved it that much. I just wanted to do it every day. So um, I knew I needed to do something outdoorsy. And then after 27 different jobs between the age of 18 and 24, wow. <laughs> lots of changes happened in like six years, um, I decided I needed to get outside. I've tried everything indoors. I tried sales. I tried retail. I tried, um, you know, working in pubs, nightclubs, bowling alleys, banks. Um, I tried every car sales, everything. And I was even a traffic warden at one point. That was an outdoorsy job, but it wasn't a positive one for me. No, no. So that was when I was thinking, there just there isn't one that exists. And I know who I am. And I, I'm not scared to be the person I always have been since a child. I didn't shave my hair off, um, but I started wearing bobble hats because I found the practicality of it was great. Um, and then I set up my own company, The Mountain Girl, and decided to just do all those fun things and put it on for kids and show them what my granddad offered me and be the person that I needed when I was growing up, which is hopefully a role model for lots of other people. Um, and I say people, not not just girls, not boys, anyone, because coming back to your original question, I don't think like your identity changes the way that we access the outdoors. I just think that becoming more accepted as the outdoors isn't a sex, it is for everyone. Like you go out there, it doesn't specify you have to be a certain thing to survive. You just have to be clever you have to be sensible you have to be prepared um and you have to just enjoy it and yeah and that you know nothing about your hairstyle or no. or where you come from there's an equality in that there's a kind of a level playing field where we go back to our raw instinctive human needs our basic human needs where you know we need to eat and survive um and all of that kind of superficiality kind of gets pushed to the side um, we don't need that anymore. Um, yeah. I love that kind of journey that you made as well. The, you know, numerous jobs to kind of find your way. And I think that is a life journey in itself. You know, um, you've been on that life journey just to kind of get to where you are now. Um, yeah. um, I I was really drawn to your three, and this kind of fits in with that really nicely. You have three mottos and you say, I have... This is from your website. I have three core values that I follow in life to help me stay focused and positive. Adventure, love and happiness. Um, I was really moved by that. Um, And and there's certainly a really emotive introduction on your website. And I really kind of felt a real connection to you because of those three mottos. Um, Do you feel that you follow those um, truthfully to yourself every day? Yeah. Did I? No, never. Did I wish I could? Yes, always. Why do I? Because I realised that I was never happy in those six, seven years that I couldn't find the job that I needed. It was never going to be perfect. And it never is perfect. You know, I still have to do admin and I still have to do an indoorsy role, which I can't stand, but it comes with its benefits. And so the adventure, the love, the happiness is ironically also my initials, ALH. Oh, right. uh, which just happened to be oh, right. okay. um, so which was cool um and they're tattooed on my wrist so uh yeah they remind me every day that I need to to 
everything I do, everything I choose to do, everything I say yes to, including this podcast, is a decision that I think, does it give me an adventure? Yes. An adventure can be, um, you know, talking to somebody new, like you, Claire, and just having this kind of mutual feeling and passion about the outdoors. That brings me adventure in me, gets me excited talking about adventure. Um, The love which generally comes when I've got the adventure or having or sharing the adventure and and sharing the love for the adventure, whether it's outdoors or whether it's abroad, whether it's with my family. Um, And then those two things equal the happiness. So those, you know, it's like A A plus B equals C, but A plus L equals H. (laughs) So, you know, if if I'm having an adventure and I'm loving the adventure and I've got people around me that I love doing it with, I'm going to find the happiness in myself to enjoy it. Um, And equally, if I have the happiness to go out there and do it, then I'll have the love that comes from it. And it all kind of is perfect triangle. Amazing. I mean, I think the thing is, as people as well, we can forget, can't we, what our motivations are, you know, yeah. and I think I love the fact that you've got that and that's in you. Um, and you carry that. Are there any times where you do struggle and you feel like you're not motivated Um and you kind of, does that kind of drive you to keep going? Um, if you yeah. remind yourself of those. So I'm quite competitive, but in a positive way. So when I was younger, I was always always good at sports. So always on sports day, I came first or second. I've got a twin sister. So if I wasn't first, she was first. So my competition started from a young age. And, you know, right from the, the day we were due to be born, um, it was me mentally first and she came up first. You know, oh, okay. competition's been there since the start, which is great. Yeah. But we use it positively because, you know, her competition at me means I have to get stronger to fight back at her and, right. and in a positive way so we help each other and I think in life that happens to all of us as soon as you see you know competition um people get stronger because of of competition and mm-hmm. you you bounce back and and you want to just play harder um so you know I think I I just I want to share like the, the passion the enthusiasm to to everyone out there um to sort of show that we're anyone's got the ability like to to be who they want to be and to, as long as they're passionate behind it you know yes. and we've got this drive and you know you have the down days but you come back to why you're doing it you know yeah the best days are generally the worst days on the mountain you know you, you kind of think why have I got why have I come out when it's tipping it down in rain mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm wet to the bone it's because when I get home later on I'm going to feel so vibrant and so alive I've yeah. done it and there's this huge sense of achievement I mean, so you, you must I, have. I, I, sorry, go on. I was going to say exactly. you must have moments where you're walking along and someone says to you, "I can't do it anymore, Anna. I can't do it. Yeah. I don't want to go yeah. to the top anymore." I mean, what what do you say to them at that point to kind of kind of keep them motivated, keep them going? Um, well, it, sometimes so it will vary. So I have to do it to myself, and I remind them that you know that my. So here's my example. I when I started mountaining. I realised that I needed to actually have a, a bookload of mountains behind me to kind of be established. So I paused before I launched right. and I went and climbed a lot of mountains because although I had done some, I felt like I hadn't done more than what maybe would establish me or separate me from somebody else. And right. I, and it needed that foundation to be a bit bigger. My first attempt on Snowden, I got halfway. Okay. That was my first attempt. So mm-hmm. I never made a summit and it wasn't down to weather. It wasn't down to the external factors that we all say, you know, we can't we can't manage those things. This one was something I could have managed and it was an internal decision. Right. And it was based on fitness and mentality. And 
to this day, I look back and the reason that I went back and climbed that mountain is because I was competitive, I was challenged by it, and I wanted to go back and prove to myself that I was capable of doing it. So when people come through and they come on my mountain days or whatever, and they say, um, oh, I don't know if I've got the fitness, and Mm -hmm. it's mentality, massively about mentality. You can build fitness, you can practice, you can exercise, and it's not having to run a marathon to be able to climb a mountain. It's completely different. It's strength inside. It's being able to put one step in front of the other and know that every step is closer to the summit and and you're only halfway when you get up to the top. So we've still got the down to go, but it's also the environment. Like it's, it's not just meant to be a difficult task that you hate. It's meant to <laughs> yeah. be joyful, you know, and I see it as telling people that, why are you here then? If you if you want to give up, why are you on this mountain? Like, yeah. you know, the mountain is going to defeat you. You don't want to be defeated. And this is your personal mountain. You can climb it, get to the top and feel this huge sense of achievement for doing so. And I paint the picture to them. Like, think about how you feel when you're off the mountain. Think about how you're going to feel when you're telling people what you've achieved. Think about how you're going to feel when you're stood at the top with the wind on your face. Think about the views, if it's a good day, or non, non-views, you know. And how different it's going to be up there down to sea level. And, you know, think about some people are quite precious about um, social media, so they want to go up for the photo. So if that's their drive, then everyone's got a drive as to Mm -hmm. why they want to come up the mountain. And including myself, and my drive has changed from, you know, just enjoying the adventure to now becoming um, a sort of mountain guide for people to see them enjoy their adventures and help them uh, achieve. And, And so... Every day, though, every time I'm on a mountain, it still comes back to a very, very pinnacle point for me, which is all my problems are beneath me. That's always the feeling. Like, whatever my problems are in the day, mm. as long as I get higher than the cities, the towns, the roads, the cars, the treetops, then everything's beneath me. Suddenly, I become tiny. And if I'm this tiny on the top of the mountain, can you imagine how small and minute my problems are inside my brain? So it just makes me realise, like, okay, life's okay, we can manage them, we can manage a mountain, therefore we can manage our lives, and that's something I try to help other people think. I love that, I'm, I'm, wow, you've blown me away, that's such an amazing kind of analogy, I mean, absolutely incredible, I think we look at the outdoor space as being really fundamental for our mental well-being, Mm. Um, and as you describe, we are one tiny being, in times of a huge sense of being um and it's finding that place isn't it um and I mean I'm motivated now I'm ready I feel like I could climb a mountain with you right now um I mean what an inspirational person to have with you and I think that's what makes a good leader as well somebody who realizes that perhaps someone is struggling and and instead of kind of dismissing their you know, their opinions, dismissing how they're feeling is actually reaching in, finding their drive, as you say, and kind of saying, what can we do to make you feel better? What can we do to motivate you to kind of keep you going? I've hopefully touched a lot of people from, you know, mental health is a big one. That's that's been huge since, um, well, since the world began, but more probably more so since COVID. And I've seen a, a difference in visitors attracted to the outdoors because of their state of mentality through COVID so where they'd come the other side and thought wow it's really shook me up and made me realize that being trapped in my own home isn't what I want yet they've spent you know 30 40 50 60 years in their own homes being happy and now all of a sudden they're told they can't go out for for less than three for more than three hours a day 
and now they're desperate to go climb the mountain and it's because they feel trapped and then they realize their value or their input to their family or maybe lack of it and so I've helped people from that sort of backgrounds I've helped people through um being unfit or obesity feeling overweight feeling like they can't physically achieve something in their lives so they've decided to try and climb a mountain and realize they can and this sense of achievement has driven them forwards to be in better shape for themselves or you know to be in a better position or to eat healthier because they've realized the importance of food is not it's not food isn't just something we do because we're bored it's it's something we have to use Mm -hmm. um for energy and putting the energy to good use they see the value of food and realize what they've been doing at home actually is pointless because they don't have the energy output for the food input so it's been a cool journey so far to see people develop and change from climbing a mountain yeah it's so much more than a mountain isn't it absolutely ultimately you're giving them so much more you're giving them their whole life kind of um and what they want to do with the rest of their life their motivation um in terms of kind of your favorite outdoor activity because you do so many different things you know you're hiking one minute you're paddle boarding the english channel the next um is there kind of a favorite outside activity that you really love Oh, favourite is such a difficult one because anything outdoors and I'm going, my ears are just going to like twitch and I'm going to be like wanting to take part in it. So if I were to say what activity would I do for the rest of my life, I would have to hike a mountain and, and every mountain I could possibly cover all over the globe. Um, paddle boarding comes really close to it, but for <laughs> absolute opposite reasons. Right. So um, on a personal level, I'm a Gemini, and they say that Geminis are a lot in their head, so we're airy, so we're kind of like living up on the you know clouds, and and I think the mountains ground me. They're the earth, they're the rock, they're the backbone to life, and they make me feel like I'm solid. And if I can stay on the ground, I'm I'm safe. Um, equally, on the paddleboard on the English Channel, I felt completely in both ways here out of my depth, um, right. mentally, physically. You know. I hate, I don't like being submerged in water. I like water, yeah. but I also respect the power of it. Um, so I love paddleboarding because it, it pushes me that extra level to go, go past a new nerve that I've still got in me that makes me a little bit scared. But I love that sense of adventure of being a little bit scared. And I think a lot of clients that come on mountains start with that little bit of scared feeling. And I sympathize with that and can empathize with how they feel but this the achievement that they get from smashing it and just coming back and saying hey I was really scared about the English channel I was really scared about the temperature I was really scared it was choppy I was scared about being seasick on the rib boat but we did it we smashed it as a team you know we we, we, we carried on and persevered and we overcame those those sort of challenges and and it paid off yeah. and and yeah. I was okay and I survived and I was sensible and you know those anxieties and worries and fears help us stay safe as well and that mm-hmm. brings it back to the mountains and you know my favorite thing is still mountaineering I think because mountains are so vastly different you know you can have small mountains which are super challenging and rocky and you need your hands and feet and thinking triven um in in north wales right. and and it's an epic ground to, to practice um for the higher stuff but then equally you can go overseas and climb a high mountain and go skiing off of it and feel like it's an easy thing to do yeah. um but you've mentioned before Claire that you know you've had high altitude sickness and it mm-hmm. can hit at any time oh, and yeah. those can be more <laughs> challenging than you know the rocks beneath you that you're trying to scramble over because yeah. your knees hurt so I think it's so vastly different that it gives me enough um diversity with the mountain that I get excited for whatever that new mountain's gonna look like and I love exploring new mountains that's the thing isn't it it's different underfoot 
different mm. view every time I can see the appeal <laughs> definitely yeah. um, <laughs> uh, in terms of like you obviously you work with Bear Grylls on some of his TV shows and things like that um, and you develop loads of bushcraft skills um, what's your most important bushcraft skill and why? Oh, so it has to be firelighting. Has to be, and the reason is this. Um, so there's four priorities that Bear Girls teaches you uh, to survive, and they in this order: it's protection, rescue, water, and food. And he teaches an acronym to remember that is um, please remember what's first. Um, so in that order, that's how we survive. We can last three hours without protection, um, three days without water, three weeks without food. But fire encompasses all of those four things. So we've got the fire, which is going to keep us protected either from temperatures, weather conditions, keep us protected from animals. Um, we've got rescue, which we can send rescue signal smoke um, to sort of show that we're alive, come and get us. Uh, it will boil and purify our water and keep mm -hmm. it clean so we can drink it. And then it will cook our food. So if we've you know, caught any animals, whatever we can find, or maybe it's plants, then we can boil the plants and make them healthier and then safe to eat. We can cook up the food that we've caught. Um, so, yeah, it has to be fire, I think, for me. And the most enjoyable thing as well. I completely agree with Definitely. you. There's something Definitely. there's something about a fire as well where you sit around it. It's absolutely mesmerising and you kind of yeah, stare into just the fire. Thing. Um, I agree. Uh, it also brings people together as well I remember my days as a girl guide you know sat around the fire and um, I know you're a scout leader yourself um, yeah but it is the bonding time you have around that I, I'm sure you love a good campfire song love it yeah love, love campfire, campfire songs yeah. and love um yeah I love the atmosphere love toasting marshmallows mm. and, and sometimes just love making a fire on my own and just sitting there and watching the flames dance I just yeah love it. So also, this brings me back to kind of thinking about kind of our future world that we live in. Um, and obviously, during the pandemic, we had to kind of use technology a lot more than we were used to. Um, how do you think about, you know, you're starting to kind of think about some augmented reality projects at the moment. But how do you think we can explore with this idea of new technology yeah, it's a great question. I think in short answer, so I've got a 96-year-old granddad who I've mentioned, but he's um, yeah. he once told me that, because I asked him what his sort of, you know, behind life, how he's got so far and how he stays so young, because he's very young-minded. And he says that the, the, the phrase, if we don't adapt, we die out. Right. So as humans, we have to keep going with new things, whether that's, you know, learning what a car is and then learning what a mobile phone is, learning that technology is is getting bigger. And there's a lot of people that will fight and say, oh, we should stop technology. But actually, it's allowing so many great things. Yeah. There's always bad things that come from everything, but there's also amazing things. Um, so the way I see tech playing a part in the outdoors, I mean, I'm touching base at the moment on um, getting VR and AR into the outdoor world at the same time as being out there. So combining right. the two so that it encourages people who like tech mm -hmm. to still get outside and enjoy the real world as well as this virtual world. So it's combining the two things together. Um, and I, I can see it happening where it's even going to open up an opportunity for equality where people who can't access the outdoor world because maybe they um, they are wheelchair bound or physical impairments, whatever it is, and they can't physically climb a mountain and they desperately want to. I'm tapping into ideas of getting people to virtually reality kind of go on a journey with me and come up the mountain whilst they're sitting maybe outside at a picnic park area. So they're feeling the breeze on their face. They're having the outdoor atmosphere, but they're on the mountain with me through the goggles. 
um, and having that sense of adventure in a different way. So the other side of stuff is, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that um, during COVID, um, um, a lot of people, new visitors came to the outdoors, a lot of ill-prepared people, so people that didn't know what they needed to climb a mountain, ended up getting themselves in trouble. And mountain rescue teams all across the UK, no doubt the world, had a massive rise in numbers. Um, And, you know, they're funded only by charity donations and that can't stay like that forever. So it's trying to educate people how to continue to enjoy the outdoors, but safely, because it isn't, it isn't like a safe place if you don't know what you're doing, but as soon as you know the skill set and you know what you need to do to prepare, then it can be massively safe out there. And it's like with anything, you learn how to do something and then you put it to the test, you practice and makes perfect. And, you know, some people ill-prepared by um, not knowing their roots Mm -hmm. or perhaps using technology in the wrong way. So perhaps they're looking at Google Maps and Google Maps is great for finding the journey via car on roads or maybe long distance journeys on bikes. But when it comes to walking, you're not looking at the terrain. It's not going to show you the height gain. It won't show you where the waterfalls are and different features. And then you land yourselves in trouble when you're climbing something like Snowden, Mm -hmm. take the wrong footpath, and you end up on a a, a route called Crib Gok, which I'm sure you've heard of being one of the notoriously most dangerous routes on Snowden if Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're doing. Um, And I saw a family up there myself when I was... um, actually the first time that we were all allowed out back into Wales and I went and climbed Snowden and I decided to go Cribgoch and you know I'm prepared I had what I needed I had my food my water my wet my everything on me Um, and then I I walked into this family who had two boys and the boys couldn't have been any older than 10 and Mm -hmm. they were on this ridge crying because they were completely out of their comfort zone and those boys now probably don't want to go outdoors because they've been put off by the fear that their parents unintentionally put into them because they were ill-prepared. Right. So technology has its blessings. Um, so an argument for that, if you can find the right apps out there or the right information, I think it would be so helpful. You know, Ordnance Survey have launched the new 3D walkthrough um, so you can actually map a route from your home and then walk through it on a, a video on the screen and it will show you what the route looks like so you can kind of gauge what it's meant to look like when you right. get there. And if it doesn't look like that, maybe you're not going the right way. Right. Um, you know, There's loads of YouTube videos coming out where people are sharing how to navigate, how to read a map. I've done my own. Um, you know, They're learning these new skills and COVID almost forced them into learning new skills and now they're sharing that and putting it to the test. Um, we've got the um, OS Maps app, which, you know, you can literally have the Ordnance Survey scaled maps, 1 to 25,000, 1 to 50,000, and it will show your location using GPS, which is pretty accurate. Um, I would never recommend anyone only using technology to, yes. to guide themselves around the world, but definitely a great backup, definitely a great way to test it is to go for a local walk in the area where you know you can't get lost mm-hmm. walk it with this technology in your hand get used to what it's doing and how to read it learn that really really well so that when you go into a new place and it's all alien to you you know how the features and things look and how it should work and how you know to follow it and use it to your advantage um so yeah i think in short like technology is going to be massive with the outdoor world but only when everyone's learned how to use it properly and that's the thing isn't it it's, it's another skill set you know, obviously, mm-hmm. the lovely ordnance survey physical maps um, yes. also take skill to read and to learn. Um, and people don't like utilize these accessible resources, and they assume, make assumptions that they are familiar, 
they they know where they're going that they understand where they're going and as you say um from the family you came across you know things do go wrong quite quickly if you don't know and haven't prepared um I myself have been in a situation in Mount Fuji where I wasn't so prepared um and (laughs) I was uh, helped by um someone who was happened to be also walking um but yeah no I think um technology plays a really valuable place um in our future um as outdoor educators as well um just I, I just want to finish by saying um, that you're a really inspirational role model to people um, and that your achievements have been absolutely inspiring to me. Um, I hope that one day I will have achieved what you've achieved and done what you've done. Um, I really... Um, I've really enjoyed meeting with you. Um, thank you so much for your time, Anna. And thank Thanks, you Claire. for listening to the podcast. Thanks, Claire. No, it's been wonderful to be here. Thanks for the invitation. And in response to that answer, um, you won't just be where I'm at. I like to see that you overtake me and be better. <laughs> and I'm happy to help. Thank you. Thank you so much. What an amazing conversation with some of the most inspirational ideas. I hope that you have really enjoyed the podcast as much as I enjoyed um, speaking with Anna. What an inspirational person. Thank you for listening to Explore Being Outdoors with Claire Bright.